So this is a family service. So in our family services, we're going through the Beatitudes. And if you guys were here last month, we talked about how Jesus took all of his friends and all of his followers up on a mountain, and he taught them what his world was like. And so he taught them the most important things about his world. The first thing he said was, blessed are those who recognize their need for God, for they will experience God's world, or they will experience the kingdom of heaven. Do you want to know what the second thing Jesus said was? He said, blessed, or God loves those who are sad. What? God loves those who are sad because he loves to comfort them. Can I tell you guys a story about a time I was really sad? In fact, it's another story about my friend Danny. So my friend Danny and I, we love to compete. Last time I told you guys about how we competed at bowling. Another thing that we competed at was I found out that Danny jumped off the high diving board at the pool. Have you guys ever jumped off the diving board at the pool? How many of you have jumped off the diving board at the pool? A couple of you? Well, this one was the highest one in the pool. And my parents said, well, Danny did it. If you want to try, you can, but you don't have to. I said, no, if Danny did it, I want to do it. So I climbed up the high diving board and I got all the way to the top and my dad was out in the water. He looked so small. He looked like a little ant in the water. And he said, I'm right here, son. You can jump in and I'll come catch you. He wasn't going to actually catch me, but he was going to be close by in case I was nervous. And I walked out to the edge of the diving board and my toes curled around the edge of that hard plastic. And I got so scared. I turned around and I went all the way back to the stairs, but instead of going down with my butt out, like you're supposed to go down a ladder, I went down face first, and I fell from the top of the three-meter diving board onto the cement and passed out, and the entire pool went silent. Everybody thought I was dead. Now, I didn't know this because I was sleeping, but the lifeguard came and rushed out this big red Uh, foam board and put me on it and took me into his office and I just remember waking up in that room and immediately I started crying I was very very sad and the lifeguard came running over and he said Connor what's wrong what hurts tell me what's going on in your body and I said I'm not sad because it hurts he said well then why are you sad and I said I'm sad because you're wasting my swimming time Now, eventually, eventually, I did jump off the high diving board, but not for a little while. But it's crazy how Jesus says to us that he loves those who are sad. Isn't that a weird thing? Sometimes parents, and I'm a parent, and if I can tell you this, sometimes parents don't like sadness. Sometimes parents struggle when there's too much crying or too much whining. How many of you guys have heard from your parents, maybe knock out the whining before? Has anyone heard that? My parents have definitely told me that as recently as last week. (laughs) And in our house, there's a little difference between being sad and whining. Do you want to know what it is in our house? In our house, the difference between being sad and whining is whining is when you try to feel sad to make others feel bad. Now, whining isn't really fun. But Jesus says it's actually good in his world to express sadness. How many of you have ever been sad before? Has anyone ever been sad before here? What's something recently that you've been sad about that you would like to share? Patience, what's something you've been sad about? 
moving away and not seeing your best friend? What's something you've been sad about? Pardon me? When you get hurt, yeah, that makes you sad. Yeah, what have you been sad about? Not being with your best friend or seeing your best friend for a long time. Yes, heavy. Being sick and not being able to see your friends at school. Being sick and not being able to see your friends. Anybody else have something that they've been sad about lately? Yeah, Toby. I never got to have a sleepover with my friends. I never got to have a sleepover with my friends. That is heartbreaking. I'm sure your parents will be able to remedy that at some, someday. Someday. Maybe not today. I'm allowed to do that sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Well, there's many reasons why we can be sad. But sometimes in life, we try to pretend like we're not sad. Has anyone ever tried to pretend like you're not sad? Anyone? Sometimes when you pretend to be not sad, you know what it's like? It's like sticking your thumb on the end of a garden hose. Has anyone ever stuck their thumb on the end of a garden hose? Do you know what happens? What happens when you stick your thumb on the end of a garden hose? It starts spraying even harder, right? Our emotions are not supposed to be pushed down and bottled up. When we feel sad, God actually wants us to feel sad because then and only then when we acknowledge that we're sad can we be comforted. God says, I actually love those who are sad because I want to come near to them and I want to comfort them. And sometimes the sadness that happens to us is even crazier than that. Sometimes it's even worse than missing a friend or a sleepover or feeling sick. Sometimes it's the sadness of losing a loved one. Has anyone ever lost somebody really close to you? I recently lost my great-grandmother just almost two years ago. We called her Gigi. But she was actually my grandma. But when I was a kid, we lost uh, Gigi, our Gigi, and she was a little bit older. And so my sister and I, we were kids, and we went in to see uh, Gigi's body. She was laying in the casket. And my mom had Caitlin wait. My dad and I went up, and I looked at Gigi, and, and uh, I didn't really understand what I was looking at. But Caitlin, she just sat in the corner very, very quiet. And my mom was very concerned because Caitlin had never seen or had someone die before. And so Caitlin and my mom just sat in the corner until finally my sister said, okay, I'm ready to say goodbye to Gigi. And my mom said to Caitlin, you know what? Gigi looks very peaceful. It's like she's asleep. So they walked up to the casket and they looked at Gigi's body. Gigi was, I think, 91. So she was very old and she was ready to go to heaven. But my sister took one look at the casket and she said, Mom, she don't look like she's sleeping. She looks like she's dead. <laughs> and everyone in the, in the funeral home went, <gasps> and she said, bye, Gigi. I'll see you in heaven. And then they went into the service. Here's the thing. Like Lazarus, Like Lazarus, God promises an end to all of our goodbyes. So if our sadness is that we're sick or that we miss our friends or that we've been hurt or even that we lose a loved one, Jesus promises to make all of those sad things right. But the only way he can do that is to start when we admit that we're sad. In heaven, it says that he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more reason to be sad, not because we're pretending not to be sad, but because even when we're sad, he comforts us. So you want to know what Jesus would like us to do today from here on out, guys? Jesus would like us to be okay with being sad. If you're feeling sad, here's what I'd like you to do. Can I give you guys some, a little piece of advice to help you and your parents? 
Can I give you guys a little piece of advice? If you're feeling sad, you are always allowed to go to your parents and say this, I am feeling sad. Can I have some time to feel sad? You know what they're going to do? They're going to say, of course, and I would love to comfort you. When you're ready, I'd love to talk with you or give you a hug or spend some time with you to make sure you know how loved and how comforted you are. Okay? So can I pray with you guys? Can we close our eyes? Dear Jesus, I thank you for these beautiful, wonderful kids. And Lord, I pray that for every one of them, that they would feel your permission to experience sadness and grief and sorrow about big things and about little things. God, even though you don't want us to whine and try to make others feel bad, you love it when we acknowledge our sorrow and our hurt and our pain and our sadness because you love to comfort us. You comfort us from the love of our parents. You comfort us from the love of your presence. And in the end, in heaven, you promise to make every bad and sad thing right. And so we believe you, Jesus, and we trust you, and we are going to trust that it's okay to be sad sometimes, and we know you're going to comfort us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and everybody said? Amen. Come on, kids, you can say it louder than that. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to the story so well. Uh, Haley, if you wouldn't mind helping me with this. Um, there are chocolates, but the gold ones have peanut butter in them, and all of them might have had peanuts in them. Maybe you guys, one per family can take a coloring kit, and then we have pages right over here as well, kids. You guys can grab coloring pages as well while I talk to your parents. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> In these family services, we go through the Beatitudes together, and we always take time to teach them to our children, and everything we experience in the kingdom, we experience like children, right? So uh, it's actually good for me, it's actually good for my heart when I'm sharing with children and I get feedback like, that was a little bit boring, or I didn't really understand that. Because what it teaches me is I've still got room to grow as a communicator because the kingdom is received through childlikeness, right? And God's world is never boring. And God's world is easy for children to understand. So this is what Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 5. He opened his mouth and he taught them saying, verse 2, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In these family services, I've been doing paraphrases of the Beatitudes. And the first one we talked about was, God loves those who are poor at being spiritual, for his world belongs to them. And we talked about how sometimes we create cultures and churches where we make it about being good and being even better and being amazing at spiritual things. Prayer, worship, fasting, Bible memorization. And churches and church cultures attract people who are good at being spiritual. But we know that the Pharisees were really good at being spiritual. And when Jesus came and announced his kingdom, it was actually the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners who were repenting and pressing into it because God's world actually belongs to those who are bad at being spiritual. And the only way we can acknowledge our need is to acknowledge where we fall short and where we don't measure up. 
And it's only when we bring those things to God that his strength is made perfect in our weakness and his grace is sufficient for us. But today, I just want to quickly talk about uh, how God blesses those who mourn. Or, or God likes it when you're sad because he wants to comfort you. These Beatitudes sometimes need paraphrasing so that we can strip away some of the religious language and get to the subversive message of Jesus. I don't like being sad. I don't know if anyone here likes being sad. But God's world is set up in such a way that those who acknowledge their grief and their sorrow, those who are able to see their own pain and address it, are the ones who are ready to receive comfort. And just like we create cultures in religious communities where we want people to be good at being spiritual, we also create cultures where we want all happy and no sad. All good and no bad. We do this sometimes. We say, how are you doing? And we say it with the inflection, please only say good. Please don't say anything other than good, fine, or busy. Those are the acceptable responses to the question, how are you doing? If I say, how are you doing? And someone says back to me, I'm doing terrible. My life is in shambles. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go, right? Because I want to be polite, but I don't necessarily want to be caring. But here's how God's world is constructed. God's world is constructed in such a way that those who are aware of their own pain are the ones who are able to receive his comfort. And what I would like to suggest to us today is that some of us are not actually able to see our wounds get healed because we won't admit we're wounded in the first place. That's right. Some of us don't find comfort from past pain and trauma because we won't admit how deeply it has affected us. How many of you have been in a conflict with, let's say, a spouse or a friend, and deep down, you've got this little nagging thought in the back of your head, like maybe they said something small, or maybe a little slight happened, or maybe they ate the leftovers that you were hoping to save for yourself, and you've carried this offense like a sand in an oyster shell, and you've made it into a pearl, and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's this little voice in the back of your head that you don't want to admit to yourself, I was actually really hurt and really upset by what happened, and I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, and even though I know it's a molehill, it's already a mountain, and I don't know what to do about it. So I just keep the fight going and I make it much bigger than it has to be because I don't want to admit to myself this really small thing hurt me. The analogy I use with the kids of the garden hose is really true. Whenever we have a feeling that we try to suppress because we think it's wrong to have that feeling, it only makes that feeling more powerful. And there is a kind of religiosity that says healthy emotional living means suppressing the bad emotions and promoting the good ones. And there are entire cultures of spirituality where it's good, it's promoted for you to pretend like everything's amazing. Oh, I'm so good, brother. I'm blessed and highly favored. The Lord is moving in my life. There are some mountains, but I'm commanding them to go. I've got faith as small as... It's like we live on cloud nine. And like Looney Tunes, you, you look down and you realize there's nothing underneath you. But God's world 
actually belongs to those who are willing to acknowledge their own pain and their own sadness and their own sorrow. I promise you, if you are suppressing your emotions, if you are denying the pain and the grief and the sorrow of life, when you go to acknowledge them, they will be bigger than you can manage. Because you've been You've been managing your life by suppressing your emotions. And once you stop suppressing them, it's going to be like a fountain springing up from within you. But God is willing to start there. Do you realize that heaven starts with tears? In the book of Revelation, it says, and he will dry every tear. Heaven starts with tears. Heaven is not the place where there is no pain. Heaven is the place where God fully acknowledges and comforts that pain and transforms it into resurrection life. Heaven is not a place where we will forget or suppress negative feelings. Heaven is a place where God will fully acknowledge them and heal them. I've heard it said that a person can only grow through one of two ways, great love or great suffering. And when you try to give great love... You cause yourself great suffering. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved, he gave, what? His only begotten son. He gave the very best. He paid the ultimate price. Whenever we try to live lives of love, we invite and invoke suffering within ourselves. We step into a world we cannot control, and our life, our emotions, our world ends up bruising us affecting us. And unless we acknowledge it, we will never experience God's comfort. And you may say to yourself, well, if I open up that can of worms, I'm going to have to eat it. <laughs> there might be no end to what ends up coming out of me if I am willing to acknowledge that not everything in my life is going A-OK. -okay. Some of us pretend like there's nothing wrong, and then others of us just push our emotions off into the corner and pretend like we don't have them. We try stoicism. The Stoics, the Greek philosophers, they thought that life was achieved, eternal life was achieved, by denying the passions, the desires, and the feelings that could so easily entangle us. But Christians aren't Stoics. We don't have to try to pretend like there is no pain. We don't have to pretend like it didn't hurt us. Instead, God's world brings comfort to us when we slowly but surely do the inner work of acknowledging where the suffering is. That's how we grow. When we trust that God is actually going to arrive in our lives to dry our tears, to bring comfort to our pain as we acknowledge what's actually going on inside of us. So, in closing, am I saying that when someone says, how are you doing, you're not allowed to answer, I'm good? Well, if it's someone who deeply cares about you and it's someone you trust, I would say, let's put a moratorium on fake answers to that question. Let's be real with one another. And secondly, you can always add, when you say, I'm not doing good, you can always add, hey, just so you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm informing you how I am, I'm not asking, asking you to fix it. Okay, because sometimes that's the other problem. It's like, I don't want to tell you that I'm not doing well because now we've got to spend three hours talking about how I'm doing and that's not necessarily what either of us have time for, okay? But aside from being willing to acknowledge our pain, it's also really good that we create space in our life to acknowledge the places that make us sad, that make us mourn, that make us feel sorrow. Like, for example, can I give you another example? 
I cannot watch the news without taking equal amount of time. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but like all of the news is negative. Like the, the announcer never gets on and goes, and in other news tonight, the stock market is up and everything's good. And uh, I found my lost puppy, Rufus. He's back with me. And life is wonderful. That's never what they tell you. They always tell you the worst possible thing. So what I've found is if I am going to interact with the news at all, be it on the internet or on a television channel, if I spend 10 minutes watching the news, I spend 10 minutes decompressing how I feel about the news. And you may say to yourself, that's ridiculous. It might feel ridiculous at first, but you're going to figure out pretty quickly that you just watch 10 minutes of human suffering and sorrow. And if you don't give yourself 10 minutes to grieve, you're not going to feel human afterwards. You're going to walk around with a fog all over your head. Oh, coronavirus and this thing's happening and the, and the blockades and, the, and life is so bad. And so, oh, and, I, and it's like, no wonder you're not happy. No wonder you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord because you haven't given yourself time to process how you're feeling. You say to yourself, well, if I spent just as long processing as I did uh, ingesting the news, I'd never watch the news. Exactly. <laughs> the more you acknowledge where you hurt, the less you want to hurt, right? So as we create space in our lives for real mourning, for real grief, for real pain, we also create space for the Holy Spirit to comfort us. And the final thing I would recommend is create space in every day to ask your heart how you're really doing. And be honest with yourself. You might as well be honest with yourself and you might as well be honest with God because He wants to comfort you. 